my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. My beautiful people. So uh, this week on Spill with Me, Jenny D, I am actually talking to a plastic surgeon. Yes. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for uh, further ado, let's introduce Dr. Craig Ozer. Hi everybody, and thanks for having me on today. Yes, is correct. I am a board certified plastic surgeon here in the Pittsburgh area. My office is located up in the Robinson area. And how long uh, have you been there? I've been there probably about a year and a half. I just relocated there from another location also in the Robinson vicinity. So I've been serving that community now probably for a good decade plus. Okay, so you've been doing plastic surgery for how long now? I've been operating now for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. You look like you're 20. Yeah, Botox <laughs> works. So I, I, I'm full disclosure, I use Botox on myself. So I. Yes. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, why do you think it's... Um, that a lot of people want to do plastic surgery, more than it's ever been. Well, I think nowadays with social media the way it is, with the television shows, and it's um, becoming a lot more mainstream. The other thing is I tell everyone that plastic surgery really predominates on the coast. So you'll see a lot of it introduced into the California area, Miami area, New York area, and then it kind of fizzles out through the rest of the um, country. And then Pittsburgh is a little bit behind. When I first came to the area in 2009 to now, it's definitely becoming more mainstream plastic surgery. And um, I think all of those things together just have helped. The other thing I think is with um, COVID the way it was, patients were doing a lot of these Zoom calls, looking at themselves in the uh, computer, not right. happy with what they saw. So then we really saw a big uptick in neck liposuctioning, eyelid surgery, and facelifts because of that. Oh, as, really? As well as injectables. People were coming in and say, hey, I need Botox. I need fillers because I'm on these Zoom meetings. I don't like the way I look. Right. So it, I think all of those things combined is what is what really caused plastic surgery to right. increase. What is that show, Real Housewives? Of- <laughs> well, whatever city you, you pick up, there's multiple ones out, and I think they're continuing. So, And, you know, I used to be that person that used to judge people and say, oh, they got plastic surgery, or look at them. You can tell that mm-hmm. those boobs aren't real. And I'm like, who am I to do that? And I think that, you know, maybe in my younger years, now that I'm 50, did I just say 50? <laughs> I didn't um, hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> that I felt like, wait. What am I saying? I would love to improve the way I look. It's because what do you think it brings to a lot of your patients once they get it done? Well, I think, you know, the real reason, I mean, in my opinion, the right reason to have plastic surgery is because it makes you feel better about yourself. Right. Not for anyone else. 
one component of plastic surgery is the aesthetic space. The other space is reconstruction. So I do also have a component of my practice where I do reconstruction, such as breast cancer, skin cancer reconstruction, even even trauma. So someone, God forbid, gets in a motor vehicle accident, a slip and fall accident, or a little kid bumps and you know, splits their forehead open. The ER right. will call me and I'll take care of them for that. So plastic surgery encompasses that where we kind of re- try and restore the patients uh, back to their normal state if a trauma occurred. The other phase of plastic surgery, like you alluded to, is just the cosmetic space. Right. Where if you want to improve anything on your body, whether it's the face, the body, the breasts, we can do it. And nowadays we're, I'm doing a lot of what we call post-bariatric body contouring procedures. What does that mean? Yeah, so that's for patients out there that have lost extreme weight loss. Oh, and they have the saggy skin? Exactly. Oh, okay. So, you know, when, when we talk about someone that lost 100, 200, 300 pounds, I had one gentleman went from 515 pounds all the way down to 180 pounds. You're kidding me. No. So we had to stage this gentleman where we did a couple tummy tucks because when he lost 200 pounds, the skin was hanging. He was riddled with a bunch of rashes and open oh. sores. So then I had to take him to the operating room, remove that skin, then he continued to lose weight afterwards. So right. that's another big component of what we do as well. That's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. just to see the you know the transformation of that because really that's just is that like just skin that's just hanging? It's nothing like a muscle or anything. No, and it, unfortunately, it's nothing they can do in the gym to improve it. It's just that right. redundant skin. They've lost the elasticity that a lot of us still have, right. and when you lose that kind of weight, the skin just hangs from everywhere. So typically, someone will come to me, and I usually tell them. Uh, we start with the basic question, what bothers you the most? And right. if it's their tummy, we start with the tummy talk. If we then, we then may move on to doing a thigh lift, we may move on to do an arm lift or breast augmentation. I didn't with even know lift. you could do thigh lifts. Oh yeah, that's for patients, same, same scenario where someone loses a lot of weight yeah. or maybe they didn't lose a lot of weight, just part of the natural aging process, we all lose elasticity. And if you have some lax skin in the inner thigh area, there are different type of thigh lifts we can do to address that. And we can also, in the right patient, maybe just get away with liposuction. We may not have to do a right. surgical scar. So now, does depends. this hurt? Like liposuction, does that hurt? Lipo, it depends what part of the body. Um, liposuction, what I tell my patients, kind of feels like if you hadn't worked out in a long time and you did like a really rough workout and the next day you wake up and you just kind of feel black and blue everywhere, right. that's kind of what liposuction feels like. Okay. Now, I'm known for going a little bit more aggressive with my liposuction, especially when I do my body contouring procedures, because I do feel like people are coming in because they want to see that result. Exactly. And and that's the way I can give it to them. So once they come in and they get the tummy tuck or the neck or the face, how many days does it, like, are you swollen? Like, does it take a couple of days, weeks? Yeah, it depends on the procedure. Um, When we talk about, like, a tummy tuck, for instance, there are multiple types. We can get into that later. But a tummy tuck, I normally tell patients for the first one to two weeks, you're going to feel like you've been through a little bit of a a rough workout. Right. Um, But I usually put them on a restricted weightlifting for about a month. So for one month, I tell everyone nothing more than 15 pounds I want you lifting. After the one-month mark, then we have you start to get back into the gym, start to exercise again, and then slowly progress from there. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what I said. Now, if you're talking maybe a facelift, for instance, I tell patients to have a facelift, two weeks downtime. Um, we have to wear compression. We give you like a head wrap to wear. 
and that's it. But a facelift really isn't that painful in comparison to a tummy tuck. Because whenever I do a tummy tuck, I also like to do a muscle You're tightening. You're in the muscles, right. Correct. So okay. the muscles does add another degree of recovery that you don't have with, let's say, a facelift. Um, so when I do a tummy tuck, there are things we can do also to dampen the pain. We have these long-acting shots that we inject right into the muscle. It lasts about 72 hours to give them the relief the that relief, they need. Because yes. mm-hmm. it's very important after a tummy tuck to get up and move around as quick as possible. So I have them up and moving the very next day. They can do stairs and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, as long as they're just not lifting anything heavy, we're good. Do these procedures take a long time? I know they're all different. Yeah, it kind of depends. Like when I do some more of these bigger body contouring procedures, you know, I could be in the operating room table with one of these patients four or five hours doing a tummy tuck. A thinner patient that maybe have had like one child and... Oh, yes. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, with women having children and the act, you know, having that, Mm -hmm. that skin that just won't go away. Yeah, and that's that's really the number one reason I see women coming in. It, yeah. They're done having kids. They want their pre-mommy body back right, again. We want to wear a bikini. Yeah, sure. So like, <laughs> you know, there are things that we can do in some patients we may be able to get away with just liposuctioning. Again, if that skin is hanging, then we do have to take out the skin. And also, whenever I do a tummy tuck, I always do what's called a muscle repair. Some people call it a diastasis recti, where the muscles actually separate from the pregnancy. Same same thing happens when you gain a lot of weight and lose a lot of weight. The muscle separates, and that also cannot be fixed in the gym. Okay. That's why I don't have that uh, six-pack or whatever. (laughs) That's what happened to me. Well, give me a couple hours. I'll have you having it. It's not a problem. I I know. That's the thing. I think a lot of... I'm not not speaking for everyone else, but I know for me that I was always nervous. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to have like one eye up here, you know, the eyebrow (laughs) up here, the other one down here, and I'm going to look distorted. That's the biggest thing that I was always fearful. Yeah, no, I and I totally get that. And like when I, you brought up face, whenever I'm evaluating someone for like a facelift, that's something they always say to me. I don't want the mouth to look stretched. I don't want to be pulled too tight. Right. I always pride myself on giving a very natural look. The best compliment I tell my patients they can get is if they bump into a friend of theirs they hadn't seen in like five mm-hmm. years and they're like, man, you look really good. What'd you do? And they can't yes. figure it out. Yes. You know, so there are certain things that, I feel that I do that maybe other docs don't do. Like when I'm doing a facelift, we like to make sure that 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 incision is hidden within the hairline. So I shave a little bit of the hair around the sideburn area before I even get started, and that's why I place the incision so the hair goes right through it. Oh yeah, tell me a little bit about that. What do you like? So you have an incision. So when you're doing a facelift, I just Mm -hmm. think I don't even know what movie that was. Wasn't there a movie called Face Off? Uh, there John was Travolta. John Travolta where he wanted to change his appearance and yes. I think they swapped faces with him I don't know how, how they did that yeah. but anyway can you explain to us like sure. what exactly is where is it where you do the incisions well let me back up because when we talk about a facelift like right. there is a full facelift there's a mini facelift and oh. so so the question is like who needs what how do you evaluate that so a full the, the quick answer is the difference between a full facelift and a mini facelift is the neck so if I have a younger patient, maybe late 30s to 50, that comes in, it's like, hey, you know, my neck's not too bad, but I don't like these jowls. I don't like the hollowing I'm seeing in the cheek area mm-hmm. and my cheekbones, I feel like aren't as full as they once were. That patient, we can get away with what we call a short scar facelift. So we start out with an incision up in the um, sideburn area. Okay. I like to extend it on the inside of the ear. So I hide it on the inside of the ear. 
And then I wrap right around the earlobe, and that's it. So that's the length of the incision in a mini face. That differs from a full face of where we're doing the neck, where I have to extend that incision behind the ear in the natural crease up into the hairline behind the ear as well. And we have to pull all that neck skin behind the ear and cut away the excess tissue. Oh, my gosh. I'm just thinking about it. I mean, of course, they're not awake. Oh, no, no. I, I, I actually do mine under what we call twilight sedation. So twilight sedation means that there's an IV in, they're giving you medication, there's no tube in your mouth. Oh, so, okay. so patients don't realize that. They're still breathing on their own. Yes. Um, now, we just started doing this new type of facelift for the right candidate. And basically, all I do is I make a little incision around the earlobe, and that's it. And we can tighten up that jawline area for the patient right. in conjunction with a little bit of what we call submental liposuction. So I liposuction the neck. We take a little piece of skin out right around the earlobe. And that really is for that patient that's in their 30s, maybe early 40s, that are right. just starting to see the signs of aging. They're not candidates for a full right. face-up, but they want to improve it somehow. Um, and then, you know, we also do other things in conjunction with that. If someone lost volume, I can do a fat transfer. So fat. Oh. Yeah, so fat transfers have been pretty um, popular these days. And I do fat transfers all over the body. Fat transfer the breast to the butt, which we call Brazilian butt. I need the butt. The, the butt? All right, well, we'll, we'll do a fat <laughs> they transfer They have jeans out there that, tr- and I said, these don't work. Yeah, those apple bottom <laughs> jeans, right. That's where the song came from. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so we, we will liposuction. Like I did a case today, I did someone's lower eyelids, and I liposuction a little bit of fat out of her abdomen, and we injected it into the face to restore volume there. Oh my gosh, and all I, yeah, I make, fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So the, what is the reason? to do that? Well, patients that are getting fillers that are tired of going in every six months for fillers, they can come in, get the fat transfer, and if the fat transfer takes, you're done. And you can also inject the lips with it, the cheekbones, what we call okay. the nasolabial fold, which are the lines on the side of the nose yes. that extend down to the mouth. I feel like so, you're looking at my face. <laughs> well, you asked me to evaluate you, didn't you? You said, what can I do? I did. So. Off the air, I did say. Because yeah. I, th- let me ask, like, if I wanted to go sure. to you and just have a consultation, yeah. would I be able to do that where you can tell me, like, okay, well, we can do this and we can do that or what you would recommend? Because do you find that you do have patients that get a little crazy? Like they're, they come in there, they want to do everything. Well, yes, I do feel that um, we do have patients that I think are a little bit too on the extreme side, but I kind of feel that's the responsibility of the plastic surgeon. Right. To set Give them expe- what they want. Well, yes and no, because you want to set expectations with that patient too. If someone comes in and, like, and says to me, I want to go this size with an implant, mm-hmm. you know, my job is to say, okay, your frame can accommodate that or it can't. For instance, I just had a, a female come in a couple weeks ago. We did a lip filler for her. She looked great. She came back in a couple weeks later, wanted to go bigger. And I was trying to tell her that it's going to look ridiculous on you. Right. It's too much. So I do feel that's the doctor's obligation to at least educate the patient on the reason why or why not you're going to do something. Right. And I, don't I know. love that because you want to be real about it because, you know, sure. you could be that plastic surgeon just wants money, money, money. But if you're right. going to tell your patients, you know, look. This is as big as you can go with this without right. it looking funny. Right. Or well, normal. That's part of it. And like I, I tell patients all the time that I don't think they're candidates yet. For instance, another example is tummy tucks. We right. use something called a BMI, which stands for body mass index. So we will not do a tummy tuck on patients that are above a certain BMI. Now, the reason for that is okay. A is safety. Right. But the other reason is I tell patients, I don't want to take your money. And I can't give you the results that you're looking for. Right. You'll be so back again. You'll be, and you're not going to be happy. 
So for me, I always pride myself on I want my patients happy. And sometimes you have to have that hard conversation with that patient and say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I had a woman cry in my office about a month ago. Her BMI was 48. Now, 48 BMI basically means that half of your body weight is fat. Oh, wow. And I told her, I said, listen, I'll do your surgery, but you got to prove to me that you really want it. Right. Don't you, like, you know, when you're getting like a knee replacement or you're getting something done, yes. the, usually the doctors will say, well, you need to be at a certain weight because... Exactly. You know, we can't, it's not going to fix anything. You're going to have knee problems if you don't lose the weight. Right, 100%. Same thing is true of here. Not only that, taking a patient with that high of a BMI, subjecting them to anesthesia, for a good four hours, five hours, right. you increase that patient's risk of complications in the operating room as well. That's so that's so that's what I meant when I said like it's the doctor's obligation to educate the patient on why or why not we're going to be doing a particular procedure. That's an example, in my opinion, you should not be touching that patient until they get their BMI down to low thirties. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That see, that's very educational for me because I yeah. wasn't sure. You know, I'm thinking anybody can come in there. Because what age group do you usually? Is there like an age or? No, not really. It depends on the procedure. Because I right, that's like, true. Like I said, like I, my youngest patient I've ever operated on was probably 30 minutes old. Unfortunately, they had a. Oh, uh, the patient um, mom had a C-section and. In the process of removing the baby, right. the OBGYN doctor inadvertently cut the side of the patient's face. <gasps> so they called, oh my God. yeah. So they called me in right away to re- repair this poor kid's face. Everything was fine. The kid did fine. My oldest patient, probably up in the upper nineties, someone that maybe had a slip and fall, split their forehead open, and right. they called me to repair that. The majority of my cosmetic patients, however, you're probably talking somewhere between. 18 years old for breast augmentation up to like in the 50s. My facelift patients are more in the range of 45 up to like 80. Okay. It's probably for my facelift patients and, and eyelid surgeries. Eyelid surgery, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when I look at pictures of when I was younger, I don't know if that's that collagen or like your face is so much fuller right. when you're younger and you don't see the wrinkles as much. Right. So as you get older, do you feel like our faces get kind of drawn? Well, that's exactly what happens. Is that so, what happens? Yeah, what happens is we age. We all lose that... Um, that connective tissue that we once had that's nice and firm, and we lose elasticity as we age. And when you okay, lose elasticity, the, yes. the skin begins to hang. But besides that, the muscles of the face also get lax. And that's why someone will come in to have a face because they're noticing these jowls. So the muscle of the right. face get lax, moves south, it pulls the overlying skin with it. You also lose volume as we age, and the bone actually reabsorbs as well. So our bones over the years begin to decrease as well. So that's the reason why sometimes we have to put fat back in to restore that volume you once had. A lot of times when I have a patient come in for a um, face-off, I'll ask them to grab a picture of themselves when they were in their 20s and 30s just so I can see exactly what they look right. like because I'm only seeing them for the first time when they may be 70. Exactly. So it's nice to have that picture to look at them when they were younger. So when I'm in the operating room, I could try and get them as close to that as possible with with fat injections at the same time as a facelift. Right. And I and I don't know. I mean, I'm not the expert. You are. But when if I would come in for a facelift, but my yep. neck had all these you know wrinkles and yes. my you know because a lot of people say you can tell somebody's age by their hands and their neck. Correct. Is it men and women? Yes, okay. both of us. So men and women. So yes, you are correct. The face of will improve the appearance of the neck, and that's part of the reason why a, when I do a, a facelift, my job is to educate them. 
sometimes we may have to add other things with that. So for instance, if there's a lot of sun damage to the neck area, I may want a chemical peel it at the same time as a face if to get rid of some Ooh, yeah, of the sun damaged skin. That, yeah. Or we have lasers in the office, we can resurface the skin as well to help also with the uh, sun damage. Same for the back of the hands. Now, okay. the back of the hands is interesting because you can use fillers in the back of the hands to restore no volume. Okay. Yep. And you could also <laughs> use fat in the back of the hands to restore that more youthful appearance along with doing something if there's a lot of sun damage. So again, right. chemical peels or laser resurfacing. Right. And the way I was raised, we didn't even use, we used baby oil. So the right. sun damage that I have, and like you'll see, like some people get blotches on their face or the, you know, they get the, what are those little brown spots? Yeah. So they're what, what they call, those? yeah, they're called acteric keratosis, which are basic, which is basically sun damaged skin. All right. Oh, so, and unfortunately, when I talk to a patient, I do skin cancer also. When I talk to a patient, I tell them it's a cumulative effect. So, of the time you're a little kid up until the present age, it all counts. Oh, right. And it takes years to decades for some of that sun damage you did in your 20s and 30s to manifest. Oh. So, yeah. So, when someone comes in, I tell them with those type of brown spots, they are technically considered precancers. I don't really do anything with them unless they begin to transform and change. If they change, then yes, then we have to do a biopsy and we have to cut it out. If someone doesn't like the appearance of it, we can still get rid of it. Right. Again, we have we have different modalities that we can uh, treat that with. I try to camouflage mine with you know putting on some bronzer and some, but I know I have some down here, and I just haven't yeah. really got you know. Then I get the red lines in my nose, right. and I just use makeup to cover it. But it's not like it's going to ever go away unless you do something about it. Correct. Well, that's one benefit of a, of being a female, right? You can use different creams. Right. Most men, we don't put makeup on. Do you, know, you see a lot of up. men? Yeah, we're seeing a lot more men now coming in, and I think it's because there's significant others pushing them in or dragging right. them in with them. So I'm doing a lot more Botox on men these oh, days, yeah. and I'm doing a lot more liposuction of the uh, patients for the midsection, especially guys. And then, believe it or not, we're seeing a little uptick in tummy tucks on men as well. No way. Yeah, it's still predominantly, though, a female dominated industry. There's right. no question about it. But we are seeing that uptick. And we'll have um, husband and wives come in together, both for Is Botox. Is special? And oh, yeah. We, we do specials for that, too. We do specials nice. for weddings, too. We try and uh, do that as well. We give, like, free Botox to the bride if she brings the whole party. And oh, my. That is. Tell us about your meds. Your, see, it is called... It's called Ozer Plastic Surgery Med Spa. Med Spa. Okay. Yeah, and we're, like I said, we're located up in the Robinson area. If you know where Ikea is, we're literally three yes. buildings down. There's a big building there. It says Heritage Valley Health System. Okay. So we're right in there on the first floor. So the Med Spa... We do um, all the injectables there, so Botox, all the fillers. Okay. We do chemical peels. We do eyebrow tinning. We do permanent tattoo. I don't do the permanent tattoo or anything. I have an esthetician who does that, that stuff. Does that. Okay. We have laser resurfacing. We have um, um, facials you can get done laser there as well. Laser resurface. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so we have um, a laser that does everything from laser hair removal. So you have excess hair in any particular part of the body. I'm like. Italian. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I get it. So, so, so we, can remove, we can remove that excess hair for you. Um, also, if you don't like the texture of your skin, we can resurface it, make it smoother. We can really, yeah, we can get rid of some of the fine lines and wrinkles. We can huh. decrease the size of the pores on your face. Or anywhere else in the body, for that wow, matter. Okay. So the laser does that. Also, you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, you have those little fine red lines around the side yes, of the nose. So yes. those are called telangentasias. They're very small little vessels. The lasers are effective at 
reducing those uh, red um, veins as well in that area, as okay. well as the lower extremities. We have a lot of women who come in, don't the like the little... varicose veins? Yeah, well, the varicose veins is a separate animal. Okay. That's more of a vascular surgeon type of thing. Right. But the small little, what we call spider veins... Spider veins, Spider yes. veins we can accommodate in our practice with the same laser we have. You always wonder why you get them. Like, is it hereditary or... Well, there's a um, there's multiple reasons. Hereditary is definitely a factor. The other thing is occupation. So someone that's on their feet all day are more prone. Right. Weight also. So someone that's carrying around a lot of weight and pregnancy counts as putting on yes. uh, you know additional weight that also can cause increased uh, spider veins as well. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you so you said you do the aesthetic side we, and then we have other people that do some of the um, esthetician stuff. I, okay. So the esthetician, she has her own hours and she does her own thing. I still do a lot of the injectables, so the Botox, the fillers, and fillers we could do anywhere in the face. So forehead, believe it or not, how people come in, they don't like some of the little lines there, we'll inject right. them. The temporal areas on the side, as we age, that gets hollowed, so we can definitely okay. put some filler in there. But the common errors are cheekbones, lips, what we call the nasolabial yes. fold, and marionette lines. And right. those same errors I just mentioned to you, we now can offer fat in addition right. to just the fillers. But if someone's just trying to um, improve their appearance, it's the first introduction they've had to a plastic surgeon, I usually recommend just doing the injectables first because yes. they're temporary. I do the forehead. I just yeah. started right. yeah, doing yeah. the forehead. Yeah, and then like... The 11s. You, the 11s, yeah, yeah. So the common errors for Botox is the 11s, which is the area between the eyebrows. The right. forehead's the second big area. And a third big area is what we call the crow's feet on the side oh, of yeah. the eyes. Botox is awesome. I love it. I've been injecting myself for a good 13 you, I years. I mean, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, but everything's moving. Like your eyes are moving. Well, you know, right, you know, you some wanna... people will say you, you look like you're not even like laughing or mad. or. You know. Right. Well, thank you. Well, <laughs> although some people I'm sure would want to inject my lips so I don't talk anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but so like, you know, there's a misconception too mm-hmm. between Botox and fillers. Like I can't tell you, people are still coming in and saying... I want Botox, and they'll point to like their lips or the side of the nose where that depression is. I'm like, that's not Botox. That's a filler. filler so to bo- fill up that line. Right. Okay. To, to, to restore volume that is lost over time. Right. Botox does not give us volume at all. Botox prevents movement in the face. So I'll use it in the forehead, the crow's feet, the 11 lines right. to stop movement. And the thought process there is that by not using those muscles, and unfortunately with Botox, it only lasts three months. I wish it would last right. six. There is a new product on the market that uh, that's coming out very shortly. They just got FDA approval that m- the claim is that it lasts six months. I don't know yet. Time will tell. I didn't. Okay. No one's injected it yet. Right. But Botox is great for those areas I just mentioned. There's a lot of other areas you can use Botox, too. Like, we'll inject women and men in the armpits to stop sweating. Oh, Now, the okay. nice thing there is it lasts six months. What are you doing? Is it going into the pores or something? Yes, I inject it. Same, same exact injection technique as you would do for the forehead. We inject uh, in this, what I call the subcutaneous plane, which is the fatty layer. You inject the Botox in there. And then what happens is it's a, it stops the patient's uh, from sweating because sweating is caused from what we call a sympathetic response. So it blocks those receptors so that basically the signal never gets to where it has to get to. The analogy I like to use in my patients is if you ever had kids, you know, you have those little um, plastic plugins you put into the wall outlet so the kid can't stick his finger right, in there. Right. That's exactly what Botox does. It binds to the receptor and doesn't allow that signal to ever make contact 
So it okay. never it never sends the signal. So in the forehead, it never sends the signal, and you're unable to have a movement, a facial movement in that area. So do you sweat out somewhere else? Um, good question. I mean, you're still going to sweat from other areas. I mean, we still sweat from the palms of our hands, right. the feet, and between the legs and stuff like right. that. Um, so you still will sweat. But a lot of women will come in to get this done in the spring, so it lasts throughout the summer. And some patients really do have a problem with sweating right. to the point where it's in, extremely embarrassing. They sweat through their clothes. So it has been like a, pretty much like a wonder drug as far as that's oh, concerned. That's fascinating. Now, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. Sure. Um, are you certified? Like, what is your background? So my credentials are, um, I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. I did training first in general surgery for five years. Okay. Um, I trained in Detroit at a place called Henry Ford Health System. And I did five years of general surgery, got board-certified in that. And then I went on to specialize in plastic and reconstruction, which is an additional two years. Right. Okay. So. You know, people ask, what does it mean to be board certified plastics? Because there is a misconception out there of of what a plastic surgeon is, what a cosmetic surgeon is. Because nowadays, to your point, you see a lot of people injecting Botox. I mean, I know some dentists that are injecting. I know OBGYN doctors. You can go to your dermatologist and they... Yeah. So, I mean, so we we had training specifically in those areas, okay? Um, So, you know, cosmetic surgeons, totally different... um, type of residency than what I did. Okay. Right? So we also specialize in that. Plastic surgeons, you can operate anywhere. You can operate any health system. You have privileges anywhere. The health systems won't allow all these other doctors to come perform procedures there because it's a totally different credentialing process. There's only two approved um, um, organizations that certify plastic surgeons. One is the AMA, the American Medical Association, and the other one is the American Osteopathic Association. So there are no other organizations that are um, that are out there verifying doctors so to plastic surgeons. if I looked, I was going to say yellow pages. Wow, I'm dating yeah. myself. Right. If I Googled, you know, looking for a plastic surgeon, right. I need to look for these kind of credentials. 100%. So you got to okay. ask your doctor. You can't just say... Here's the other problem I have. I, I, I do a lot of revisionary work for patients that went elsewhere, weren't happy, oh. and they'll come in and they'll say, well, I didn't look up my doctor beforehand. I should have. So like, right. you do know he was just a family doctor, and then he did like this weekend course on how to do something? Oh, no. Well, the, the, the trick is, I should say trick, what you need to really ask your doctor is when you say to a doctor, are you board certified? And they say yes. They're not really telling you what they were board certified in. Exactly. You have to then follow that question up with another one. Say, are you board certified in plastic surgery specifically? Right. Okay, because that's what you want to hear. And if they say, no, I'm board certified in ER. Oh, well, there's a difference, yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, there are some cosmetic surgeons out there that do very nice work. Uh, Right. I know some of them personally, and they they do nice work too. And, you know, over time they learn. But so that's the real difference. It's the training. We also... Uh, have training in reconstruction, which I really feel one helps the other one. So when you're putting right. someone's face back together, and we had we had courses just in facial anatomy, you know, so okay. where we learn all this stuff. We did craniofacial reconstruction as part of our training. It's something you don't get anywhere else. Right. So, you know, you got to put all that into perspective. And then, you know, any, any doctor you're going to be interviewing, you should ask to see pictures of their work. I think that's a fair yes. question. Other questions is, you know, if complications with a particular procedure, any deaths from that procedure right. you're, you're thinking of having done, because in my opinion, those are all very fair questions to ask your doctor. 
I also pride myself on giving all of my patients my personal cell phone number at the time of their procedure. So everyone that has a cosmetic procedure done by me, it's on my discharge instructions. They know they can call me any time of day around the clock. They can nice. text me. Yeah, now with um, the advent of social media, the way it is, right. people can take a picture of something. and Like, send. hey, I think I'm swollen exactly. on this side. Does or, this look normal? Right. Or is this drain output normal? Does this color right. look normal? You know, it's very simple. We have a lot of patients fly in from out of state. So a lot Ooh, of so my... So you're reputable. Like, you have yeah. a very good reputation. Oh, we've had, well, I've operated on people from the Middle East, from Africa. No that, Oh, yeah. That, that have flown in for, uh, for surgery. And we put them up at a hotel that's not far from my, my office, and they have to stay in town for about five days. I personally will go out and see them. A lot of places, you just have, like, a recovery room nurse that may see them. You never right. see the doctor again. So that's one thing I always want my patients to realize when they come see me and I do their surgery, you know, you get me every time. Right. They want a relationship. They want to be 100%. able to feel secure and that they know you're going to be there the whole time. hundred percent. It's like that little something extra because, you know, people are paying money out of pocket for right. these procedures. And I think patients really demand that now. Well, I was going to ask you that no insurance really covers plastic surgery. Well, it depends with your definition of plastic surgery. Cosmetic stuff, no, they, it, yes. they do not cover it. It's all that, out of pocket. Yeah. The other stuff, yes, like like I was mentioning, like I do, like the trauma patients, yes, breast cancer patients, yes, you can get covered. Skin cancer, we can get covered. Um, some breast reductions, we, we in my practice have stopped doing breast reductions for insurance purposes. We'll still do them, but we just right. don't, it's, it's an out-of-pocket expense. Because I've noticed too, like um, if, your eyelid, like as you get older, it starts like, you know, you can't really look out of your eye. I wonder if right. that would be considered. For the upper eyelids, yes. So basically what you're talking about is as we age, that's there's skin on the upper eyelid that begins to hang down. If the skin hangs too low, it can actually obstruct your visual Vision. field. Right. We have you go see your eye doctor first. They do this study. It's called the visual field study. If you fail it, send it over to our practice. We'll then submit it to your insurance company, and the majority of times we can get that covered for you. Okay, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, tell us a little bit about the uh, videos, because I know off air we were looking at some videos, and at first I was like, I can't look, and then I was like, wait a minute, I'm kind of intrigued (laughs) by this. You know, I want to see what's going on. Yeah, so um, I like to videotape my uh, surgeries, and I give uh, a copy to the patient if they want it. I always, on all my patients, will take before pictures, and then I take after pictures, but in conjunction with that, I can also shoot some videos. So a lot of patients, for instance, when I'm doing a tummy tuck, they like to see their muscle separation. Ooh. They want to see me throw those stitches in that muscle. I couldn't muscle. even watch myself having yeah. a baby, so I don't know if I can. Well, you know, it's like I tell everyone, anything anything in time becomes second nature. Right. You know, like the first time I saw it as a resident, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And then right. a couple more, you're like, oh, it's second nature now. Exactly. So, you know, I do on average four to six lipo tummy tucks a week, which is a very high volume right. uh, tummy tuck practice. We do a ton of breast hogs too, but... I do find that by videotaping some of these procedures, I help educate other patients exactly. that are sitting home and contemplating having it done. And I try and pull videos up to match that patient's body habit. So if someone comes in that's like five, six right. with an A cup and they went to a C cup, for instance, I'll show them videos on the same type of body habits. Exactly. Because I, I have enough videos and everything. And then a lot of times we'll post them up on Snapchat or we'll put stuff up on Instagram um, just to help educate the public. And that's how people kind of find me too. I that like way. that. That's very different because yeah. I don't think there's any plastic surgeons out there that would offer like a video to just really yeah. educate you know your patients sure. or people that are 
in the market to do something different. Well, they say pictures worth a thousand words. So even That's when right. even when they come in to do that initial consultation, oh, I like with me, that. That might be the title. <laughs> there you go. Well, I always. Oh, who is this up here? <laughs> oh yeah. So that is a little video of me doing a FaceTime um, with. So oh, this, these wow. are some videos of some extreme cases. That's my board certification you just saw pop okay. up. Uh, this is someone that lost a large amount of oh weight, one of those post-bariatric body contouring procedures. So and this they, is the before and that's, or well, this is the before and that's right. the after. Okay. Well, I'm still, oh, I'm not still, done yet. I just okay. stapled this. And there we take all the skin out you saw, and then it, we have to stitch everything back together. Does, so, is there a scar, though, like a really big... Yes, there is a scar. So I tell patients it's a trade-off, you know. Right. Everything in life is a trade-off. Now, one thing that we do in plastic surgery is we try and minimize the scars as best as possible. Right, because then you have that end of it, too. Right, right. So um, I, use, I use sutures that are not as reactive, you know. We try and do different things to help reduce the amount of scarring. We like to place the scars in areas that may be hidden. Right. right? That's so true. that's something they teach us also as part of our training. How do you cut? Right. Where do you put the place, the scar placement? So you're taking it out. You're so taking... we take this okay. that excess skin out. Same concept we do in the arms as well. Right. right. Listeners, I don't know. Like if you're watching this video of us doing this podcast, you can see the pictures up here. But yeah. if you're listening, I mean it's it's interesting. Yeah. And then there's a quick before and after. So that's someone that lost wow. two hundred oh yeah, like my god. Two hundred and twenty five pound weight loss she had. And that's with liposuctioning along with cutting the skin out and suturing wow, everything out. Wow, that's but, unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, these are these are really life-changing procedures for these patients because yes. there's no way that skin is coming out any other way. Right, yeah, you can exercise you know, every day 24-7. And that patient actually does. She does yes. it fine. Yes. This is someone we did a uh, full face left on. Um, she looks beautiful. Yeah, there she is a, a couple months after her surgery. Oh, wow. Yep. So she looks she looks really good. We did her lower eyelids too, and there's after the after effect wow. of lower eyelids as well. Okay. Oh my gosh! I bet the patients when they walk out of your office, they're just so excited and happy, and yeah. like you said, the confidence that you have. Right, you right. Know? And this this is a BBL right here, and you can see how we got rid of the fat around the brow oh line there, the waist. We contour that in. We put some fat, and we called the hip dip area here, and we gave her more projection. I know it's hard to tell here, but we did. Um, oh, I can tell. Yeah. But everything looks smooth now. It looks like natural. Oh, yeah. This is someone that's out a good three months. You can see the hip dips here are gone. The waist, the love handles are gone. She has a nice contour. The bra yes. line fat is gone, too. <gasps> see, so, I have a short waist, so I'm like looking at that like, what now this, this is just a quick little in-office procedure we do while you're awake. Okay. We did submental liposuction. So you can see this little redundant area here that yes. bothered her. She didn't have a defined jawline. Now right. she does. Now that will even get better. That is immediately post-op right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So And here's another one. Same thing. That's a little stitch we put in the seminar. Right. These are some before and after post-ops. So you can the, see the some tummy big tucks. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, because look at how distorted the belly button looks, especially when we have, you know, some women have children. Right. Their belly button doesn't look right anymore. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's something you got to think about, too. The other thing is uh, scar placement, too. But this is the same patient. You see how yeah. she has an hourglass figure now. That's immediately post-op. I know you're looking at the incisions, wow. uh, and that's long. You do have to have a little drain. That's the drain right there. It's typically in for like two to three weeks after the wow. surgery. That's unbelievable. But she has a belly button you can see now. She has a waist now you can see. She's a nice hourglass figure. That only gets better with time, too. Right. And they, a lot of women or men would want to do this before like the summer comes. Yeah, and like here's someone that's been out a couple months. Now, if you notice in this picture, we always like to hide the scar. 
So what I'll tell patients to do a lot of times is the day of the surgery, I say, bring a pair of your bathing suit bottoms that you typically wear. I'll mark the top and the bottom of their uh, bathing suit or right. underwear, and we make sure the incisions contain right within that area. Oh, nice. So when you look at her post-op, you can't even see uh, where the Not scar at is. All, no. Yeah, and then I like to do a little bit of ab etching where I go a little more aggressive with the liposuction from the yes. belly button up to the breastbone. Oh, there. she got her breast done too. Yeah, she got her breast done too, but at a different time. Reduction. Reduction lift. Lift. Reduction lift. Okay. Yeah, reduction lift. Could, could like, for instance, I, you know, I always say, oh, I want to get a lift. Can I just go in for a lift or do you have to do like make yeah. them smaller and then lift them? Or? So it depends on what your starting point is. So what I try and tell patients is here's an AUG lift. This woman oh, lost wow. a large amount of weight and there's no way those nipples are getting elevated like they are here. Right. She doesn't have cleavage. You can see in the top, she wanted that. So this patient, she needed volume. We had to give her back. So she does have an implant in. Yes, there's the scar. This is this film you see around there, that's glue that I use. The glue comes off, and it actually heals really nice. Nice. But from that to that, it's night and day. We shrink the areolar size down. Right. But to answer your question, you don't always have to have an implant. So if you were selling, let's say, as a D-cup, and right. you come in, you want to lift. What I'll tell patients is, is um, when we do the lift, you naturally will get a little bit smaller. So if you're okay going from like a D cup maybe to a oh, full yeah. C, then we don't have to use an implant. Right, because I think, you know, with my body type, I mean, I'm like top heavy, and, mm-hmm. and I have like a really small waist. So when I wear clothes, I just look like um, a, like a box, like I look like a box. Right, and this is, this is an, uh, I, I, there's another patient that had an AUG lift. You can okay. See how nice now she wanted to go to a nice full D cup. This patient, oh yeah, you can see the same bathing suit she shot for us. How flat she is here, no cleavage here, no upper pole fullness here, and right. there she has it. So, oh, they look nice. Yeah, yeah they yeah. fit the bathing suit nice, and yeah, I mean, right. So that's the other thing about like these procedures. Like, clothes, right. like a patient like this will come in saying, "I can't wear certain type of tops. I can't wear certain bathing right. suits." You know, they just feel, feel like, embarrassed. Yeah. Um, so those are all things. I that love we're trying this. To, yeah, thanks. So thanks. we can, um, is there a website that we can get in contact? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, so you can just go to my website. It's just my name. It's Dr. Ozer. So it's D-R-O-S-E-R.com. And I also have like a vanity telephone number. It's 844-4-DR-O-S-E-R. So you oh, can go okay. there as well and just call us. We can work whatever is most uh, easy for the patients. So we do a lot of virtual consults. So even though you may be local here in the Pittsburgh market, right. you may say, well, do I really have to come to the office? You don't. Right, or somebody out of state. Yeah, right. So we can do it just through FaceTime. We do FaceTime videos. We have you fill out the paperwork. You submit pictures, and then we'll get you set up for a time that works best for that patient. So I try and accommodate everyone, so I'll do like evenings and also on a Sunday, I'll sit down and we'll do virtual consults. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So we try and accommodate however you want. Here's our website. You can see right here. We, nice. And um, you just hit request an appointment right there. Okay. And you specify which one, the virtual appointment or in office. We just ask you some basic demographics, what you're coming in for, your name, your address, your telephone number. Oh, that's I do perfect. not charge for my consultations. I was going to ask you that. No, I do all free consultations for all my patients. Um, I'm going to get mine after this uh, oh, there you go. We'll do podcast. One, we'll, we'll do one in the next room for you. Um, so yeah, and then if, if this is something that you really want to move forward with, we also have financing available for patients because we do realize some of these, pati- the, yeah, these patients' right. requests. It's hard to afford it a lump sum. It, it, especially when you're combining procedures. Like a right. mommy makeover, we may be doing a liposuction, tummy tuck, and breast lift at the same time. Right. It can be costly. So we accept different types of credit cards, 
course, we always accept cash and check. And we also have finance companies. There's one called Care Credit. We have another one oh, called yes, Alfion. And they basically will finance the procedure for you. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're paying like monthly or... Correct. So okay. you, you pick the program. So we have 12-month repayment, six-month repayment, two-year, three-year repayment plan. So whatever works best within your budget will accommodate. I love that you're so accommodating. Yeah. I learned so much about oh, plastic well, awesome. surgery. Yeah. I really appreciate you well, being my on. pleasure. We, just, we only touch the surface, right. believe it or not. Each one of those topics, we can have another discussion. Yes. Maybe we'll do that another day. Exactly. There, I think that a lot of people are scared. I'm, I, well, I shouldn't be saying a lot of people. I know for me that I was always scared that, you know, I can't do this. I, it's going to happen to me. I'm going to be that one that's going to be distorted. Or, right. So I think by talking to you and, and seeing all the different pictures, I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, thank you. But the other thing is, like, it's my job to walk you through that process. Exactly. Like I tell everyone, this is this what you're feeling is normal. Right. Right? I do this every day. You do this once in a lifetime. Right. So it's my job to walk you through that process Get you across that finish line and also make sure I'm there for you afterwards during your recovery phase, right. too. And you really made me feel at ease and comfortable, oh, well, too, thanks. by talking well, about thanks. this. thanks. I and tried. Even, <laughs> and even uh, looking at the pictures, I was like, okay, <laughs> I can do this. I can yeah, do well, this. Yeah, well, good. So I appreciate you being on Spirit Likewise, it was Jenny a pleasure. Day. Love to come back again talk again soon. Definitely, definitely. Right. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank You're you for welcome. being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website, so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny Dean.